When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. is meant to be a substitute for mental health treatment. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to Psychologically Minded. I'm your host, Grace Fowler, and today we are talking about the Glass Animals album called Dreamland. So this album came out in fall of 2020. It has a couple of singles that were released earlier in the year and was delayed from its summer release in June to its August release in 2020. Uh, and then the band has since released some like updated versions and deluxe editions of the album since then, with the most recent one being released this year in 2022. So I know that I've done an album episode before with Adele's album 30, and I went through every track in that album, but I'm going to do something different this time and just pick a few songs that I think are more psychologically relevant, <laughs> play some samples of them, and then kind of tell you what I think about them, um, what the messages are, and maybe some a little bit about like how I relate to the songs. I really love this album. That might come through in some of my analysis. I think it's fantastic and really shows the evolution of this band. If you're not familiar with Glass Animals, they are like a indie electronic pop band. There's four members, Dave Bailey, Joe Seward, Ed Irwin Singer, and Drew McFarlane. They're located in the UK, even though the lead singer grew up in the US for a little bit. And then they all met at school in Oxford in 2010. So they've been a band for like 12 years for my Tumblr girlies who were on Tumblr in like 2011, 2012, you probably heard their song that went viral um, that was called Gooey. <laughs> it's gross. Um, but it was, that was like kind of one of their first viral songs. Oh, it came out in 2014. I remember that was my first introduction to Glass Animals and then I kind of fell off. I didn't really listen to them a lot. And then when Heat Waves came out, which was one of the singles off of Dreamland. You've probably heard this song. It's everywhere. It's on every radio station. So I'm not going to talk about it on this episode because probably everyone's sick of hearing it. But when that single dropped, uh, I got back into listening to them and listened to the whole album. And Dreamland is a much different album than their previous albums. So they have two full albums that that have been produced by the band. The first ones were more abstract and the band has talked about them being more about words that just sounded good. So putting sound, words, lyrics all together to make a kind of cohesive sound rather than having like a narrative to the album. So it was very abstract. It wasn't really about anything. It was just about how do we make stuff sound good together. Their second album was based on when the band had gone on tour for the first album They had had all these interactions with strangers while they're out on the road. And so the main songwriter, Dave Bailey, took all of the stories of the people that they had met on tour 
and wrote songs about them. So the second album is a little more about actual like stories, but it's not personal stories about the band. Um, but it is them moving away from that more abstract, like sound based music. And then the third one, Dreamland, is almost entirely based on Dave Bailey's experiences. So it's very personal. A lot of it is coming from his own experience. And he he has said in interviews that this is kind of the first time that he's really made music that's about himself and not just about strangers or the aesthetic. And I think that's one of the things that like drew me into this album before I even knew that is you can feel from the songs that it is pretty personal. It's there's things that are specific. <laughs> um, they're not just like songs about being gooey. There are things that that uh, clearly are speaking to some difficult experiences. Uh, and with that being said, I will put up my content warning here just so that you know there will be some discussions of domestic violence and um, school shootings in this episode. So with that in mind, you can see how this album is a lot more personal that that the songwriter is talking about those issues um, that ha- that affected him personally. That's the the kind of baseline behind Dreamland is it's a lot more personal. It's a lot more about the songwriter's experience and it kind of goes to places that their previous albums didn't go to. So I picked four songs that from the album that I think were the most interesting. The fir- The four songs are called Tangerine, Space Ghost from Coast to Coast, Melon and the Coconut, and Domestic Bliss. So I'm just going to go through each one of them, give you a little sample of the song so you kind of know where I'm at, especially if you haven't heard the album, uh, which I'll link in the episode description and on the sources page for you to hear the whole song. And then I'll talk about some of the like specific uh, lyrics that I think are interesting and kind of compare the psychological messages they have with what the, the songwriter intended with them. Um, so with that, let's get started with the first song, Tangerine. I wish I could show you more of yourself. I wish I could make you somebody else. But I left it way too late. Are you stuck in your own way? I'm begging hands, please, please, tangerine. Come on back to me. Oh, I need tangerine. Do this to me. Hands, please, please, tangerine. Sugar, honey, sweet. Oh, I need tangerine. So that is a little taste of the chorus of tangerine. Now the overall song is essentially about a relationship that has kind of gone on for a while and the people in the relationship are maybe not who they used to be at the beginning. They're kind of considering how do we get back to who we were at the beginning and the songwriter Dave Bailey actually in some interviews has talked about that the idea of a tangerine of like the hard skin the rind around a tangerine is what he was going for with this song and so it really is a picture of a relationship where the other person has kind of developed like a hard skin around them and you're trying to get back to like the sweet part on the inside that is also something that comes up a lot throughout the songs is this concept or theme of sugar sweetness honey anything to do with like sweetness is kind of weaved through a lot of the songs I think in in one way, it is a reminder of like, there are things in life that are sweet, but it's often contrasted with things that are bad or sour. And I think the continued coming back to of the sweetness is just kind of a way for the music to point out that there are these 
things in our lives that are good, that are sweet, that we want more of, but that things can get in the way of us getting after those things or those things can be corrupted and become kind of gross. Um, And because this is more relational, I think it tends to focus on like the, the relationships that can can become soured. So one of the lyrics of note in this song is, I can't keep on making you happy because you got issues with your daddy. I miss ramen noodles and laughing at you when you're grand and ham in home movies. I mean, first one is like how Freudian, right? <laughs> yeah, you have daddy issues, so I can't help you. I, the, the song is really pointing out that sometimes we get into relationships with people and we are acting out our uh, relationships with our parents in an attempt to kind of heal those old wounds. And if we are expecting our partner to fix the wounds of our childhood, we're, we're never going to get anywhere and that person will never fulfill your desires because it's just it's not possible. Um, and the reality is always that like your what your parents did is what your parents did and your partner can't uh, absolve that. Right. And you can't absolve that for your partner either. I think sometimes we hear this daddy issues or mommy issues thrown around and it can be very derogatory, especially with daddy issues. It's often thrown at women to kind of lump them into an umbrella term and say you behave in this way because of your bad relationship with your dad. I have two points on that. One is that, well, whose fault is that? Is it the child's fault or is it the father's fault, the parent's fault? I'm going to put the responsibility on the adult. So I don't understand why we blame adult women for the fact that they're, when they were children, they went through a difficult time. And the second thing is that Often the behavior that is associated with daddy issues is like sexually explicit behavior or acting out sexually. And so I like that this song doesn't tie it to that. It's not saying like the person he's talking to is like acting out sexually or is promiscuous or is whatever. The song is just saying, I can't make you happy because of what happened to you in your childhood. And I think that's a different framing of this this kind of phrase of daddy issues. The second part is just, I think talking about the things that we miss, the kind of little things, right? Like missing eating ramen noodles and watching home movies. Uh, home movies is a big theme in this album. A lot of the like interstitial tracks, um, in, if you listen to the album in its entirety, are actually clips from Dave Bailey's home videos. And some of the music videos include footage from either home videos of him as a child or like kind of just on the street footage that he shot uh, with like friends and his bandmates. So this home movies thing also like comes back over and over again throughout the album and is mentioned in different songs. Again, I think this line is really just talking about the little things that we do in relationships. And sometimes when you've been in a relationship with someone for a long time, you kind of forget about that stuff that you used to do together. You miss the little things and that can make us quite nostalgic for the beginning of a relationship. Another lyric that I really liked in the song is part of the chorus. The song says, but I wish I could show you more of yourself. I wish I could make you somebody else. And I think this is the thesis statement of the song and is often what is going through the minds of someone in a let's say, stagnated relationship. And this is kind of like a dialect that's a dialectical that's hard to uh, reconcile, right? So on one hand, I wish I could show you more of yourself. I want you to go back to who you were, to unpeel the tangerine skin and get back to like the delicious fruit on the inside. Um, But then on the other hand, I wish I could make you somebody else, right? Like this has stagnated. I want to move on and, and to find somebody else. When we're in a stagnated point in our life, 
the decision we have to make is do we want to restore what we had before or do we want to go and move on to something else? And and that's a hard choice. It's a hard choice to make when you're in a relationship. It's a hard choice to make about other areas of your life that may have stagnated. Do I move forward or do I go back to the way things used to be? And obviously, this is not the first song that's been written about this kind of issue, but I I enjoyed that the song contrasted these things and didn't... I Honestly, I think from the tone of the song, it doesn't make this the narrator out to be a good person either. <laughs> kind of like, nobody here is the winner in this, in this relationship. Then in the chorus, we have, hands, knees, please, tangerine, come on back to me. You got what I need, tangerine, do this for me. Hands, knees, please, tangerine, sugar, honey, sweet got what I need, tangerine. This is just the chorus where he's repeating the theme of the tangerine, but like wanting the the inside the rind to go back to the good part of the tangerine and not be stuck on the outside, right? To be like let in. Uh, the next verse, one of the next verses goes on to say, you only look at me properly now when you're drunk watching movies. Where are you? What happened? I want what we had. Where you gone? Where you hide in? It's 223. You got friends on repeat and then it goes repeat, repeat. Classic millennial behavior to be watching friends on repeat over and over again. I don't know about you guys, but I know that I have a comfort show. It's not friends because I never really got into friends that much, but I have a comfort show that you kind of go to when you're needing to feel like soothed and you don't want to like have to think too much to follow a plot because you know what's coming next. And so I think for a lot of people, Friends is that show. But I think that to think about it in the context of a relationship is that if we're in a relationship with someone and we keep going back to this comfort show, it's a way to kind of block out the the bad stuff or the tough stuff that may be going on in our relationship. And if we just stay up all night watching our comfort show, we don't have to engage with our partner on the tough things that need to be engaged on. And this, I think, is the perspective from the other partner who's watching their partner kind of go down this spiral and just be stuck in like a comfort, a self-soothing spiral without any like hope of getting out. And I don't like self-soothing is not wrong, but I think sometimes we, we do it too much and there are painful things that need to be addressed and you, you can't address them when you're stuck in your in your friends loop. This whole thing, I think, is just kind of speaking to that of like, you know that something is wrong when the person you care about has turned to their comfort show. Like something is not going well if they need to be comforted this much. And this idea of like when the only time you look at me properly is when you're drunk watching movies is like when you're either not under the influence or doing something that you like to do, which I'm assuming this person likes watching movies. I think that's just, it's just such a picture of a stagnated relationship. And I think it's also an interesting take that the other person is aware of it, right? Like the person, the narrator of the song is aware that his partner is no longer invested in him in the same way that they were at the beginning. And there is kind of like a, like a desperation because then the, the chorus goes on to keep repeating this, like, please, you got what I need, please like come back, do this for me. Um, there's like a desperation of, I want us to go back to where we were before, but because the narrator is ambivalent, doesn't know if he wants to move forward with someone else or revive the, the person that his partner used to be. Uh, there's like there's not going to be any movement, right? So the if one partner is ambivalent and one partner is in denial, there's not going to be any movement. You need something to kind of like shock the system outside of the song, just like more broadly when you're in a, a relationship uh, pattern like that. Often what happens is either one, we decide to have a child to, <laughs> to shock the system or nothing comes of it until something outside the relationship happens, right? Like 
maybe a death in the family or a difficult financial situation, and that can kind of get things moving. And that's why it may seem like all of your big relationship things kind of happen at the worst time, right? And this, this happens in movies too a lot, where it's like the person, you know, like loses their job, loses their apartment, and then gets dumped. Or, you know, like somebody's in the hospital sick, somebody's died, and then they get dumped. Like it all seems to happen at the same time, and it can seem like well, why, why did you decide to break up with me when my life was falling apart? And it's not good. I'm not saying that's like, I'm not recommending that. But I think that helps to illustrate that what people need sometimes to see that they're not happy with where they are or that there needs to be a shift in their relationship is you need that shock. You need that external shock to kind of pull you out of what we would call homeostasis in your relationship. And so this this whole song, Tangerine as a whole, makes me think of a relationship at that stage where until something happens, until there's a shock from the outside, nothing is going to get done because both people are kind of stuck in this like ambivalence or denial stage. That's Tangerine. The music video for this one is really fun too. It's like the lead singer as himself, a woman and a baby. It's, it's very interesting. So I recommend it. I've linked it in the episode description. Okay, the next song that I want to talk about is called Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Gotta be all that Coco A Playing too much of that GTA Playing too much of that Dr. Dre Boom, quake, which I get the gun from A Really think that metal gonna make you safe Playing peekaboo with the devil these days Black cap back with the trench coat A Living in a valley cotton polo So that was the second verse of Space Ghost Coast to Coast. The overall song is about a person that the songwriter knew when he was still in the U.S., going to school in the U.S. It was like a childhood friend who on the first day of high school was caught with a gun. Like he had brought a gun to school. He didn't hurt anyone, but was like was caught with it and dealt with. And at the time, the songwriter was not Dave Bailey was not living in the U.S., but like had heard about this thing that happened to this kid that he used to know. And so he wrote a song kind of about like that whole incident. And that's what Space Ghost Coast to Coast is. So it is essentially about somebody who was on the edge of becoming a school shooter. And like you can see that the the song is about like trying to figure out what was it? What did it? And the, the part that I just played mentions GTA or Grand Theft Auto, Dr. Dre, Doom and Quake. So three of those are video games, right? Grand Theft Auto, Doom, and Quake are video games that pretty heavily feature violence. And then Dr. Dre is rap, a rap artist, <laughs> uh, a rapper who was putting out albums at the time that this would have um, happened, which it probably would have been like the late 90s uh, based on how old the songwriter is. So that's the overall premise of the song is about like, why would someone do this? And he's trying, he's referencing these video games and these kind of cultural icons to be like, was it the, was it the video games? Was it the music you were listening to that g- gave you the idea to get a gun? I don't think that the songwriter is specifically blaming video games, but I think is kind of reflecting these conversations. And if you go back to mini episode nine, where I talk about the mean world syndrome, you'll know that there is quite a bit of evidence to say that consuming violent media does not make someone inherently violent. But that's often a conversation that comes up around school shootings. Is it because of what you were watching, what you were playing? And again, to center the song in this kind of like 90s nostalgia, he's specifically referencing stuff that was out at the time. 
I mean, I know that people still play GTA and Doom and Quake and they're like thousands of like reboots and sequels, but at the time those would have been pretty popular games that would have been accessible to this kiddo and would have been something that was accessible before, like in his younger childhood as he was growing up. Now the title of the song, Space Ghost Coast to Coast, is a reference to an animated TV show that came out in the mid-90s that was based on a cartoon character from the 1960s. So if you have never seen Space Ghost Coast to Coast, it's quite surreal. It's essentially like what would a talk show be if a like 1960s superhero had a talk show. So the original Space Ghost that came out in the 1960s is like a Hanna-Barbera product. I've never seen original Space Ghost. I don't I don't really know what his deal is, but he's like a a guy. (laughs) Now, in the 90s, in the mid to late 90s, Cartoon Network had a kind of awakening of taking these old Hanna-Barbera properties and turning them into adult content for like their adult swim and their, their more like late night programming that was for adults and teenagers. So Space Ghost to Coast to Coast was one of the first ones of those shows that really launched quite a legacy including things like Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law, and uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force, if you've ever seen those, like have an, an influenced, Space Ghost Coast to Coast has influenced like a, a bunch of shows. But the premise was, is that this like old timey superhero was, had a talk show and then has his like little minions who were like an evil mantis and like a henchman that essentially they're like bumbling their way through this whole thing and they would have guests on that like didn't know <laughs> didn't know they were guests or that they would like edit the the guest answers after they had uh finished filming the show to make it uh seem very funny and i i believe conan o'brien was on an episode that i watched a couple weeks ago it's very funny it's very weird though so if you and if you're not into like weird stuff you're you're not going to be into it but essentially the the show is named or the song is named after the show and i i think for two reasons one because it highlights this particular era of like TV and culture that this song is about, like this this mid nineties time. Um, but I think it's also that the main character in Space Ghost Coast to Coast like thinks he's pretty cool, thinks he's like all that in a bag of chips, and that everyone should know who he is. And often the joke is that nobody knows who he is because he's like a, a lost superhero or a lost character from the nineteen sixties. And so. The song is saying that like this kid who brought this gun to his his school who thought he was going to do like do a school shooting or do some some sort of horrible crime that he was like cool and people were going to know his name and that's not true that didn't happen and the songwriter says you know now I know I'm going to go my own way you're going to go yours I don't want anything to do with you if you think that this is what's going to get your name in the in the papers if this is what's going to get you fame I don't want to be associated with that. I think the the tone of the song kind of goes back and forth from, on one hand, the chorus is very angry at this kid that brought a gun to school. It's, this, this is where he says, you think you're Space Ghost. You think you're wanted coast to coast, but you're not. You're not at all. And I'm going to go my way. You go yours. It's, it's angry. It's like we need to separate from this person, no longer wanting to be associated with them. But the verses are much more inquisitive. They're much more curious. They want to know like what is going on, what led this person to this point. And so I already mentioned the verse that talks about like video games. There's another verse that says, that mentions the child uh, had been a child of divorce. It seems like mom was not home and this kiddo was like on his own and probably at a time when he was hanging out with 
with Dave, they were hanging out unsupervised because one of the things in the song is like, he stole his mom's car. He was like, too, it says he's too, you were too small to see the road. Uh, so like he probably got, <laughs> got into some damage. Um, so like this was an unsupervised child who didn't have much family support and probably had gone through something quite upsetting if he, he went through his parents' divorce. And we don't know because this is like a song about a real person, but it, I would imagine that it wasn't a pleasant divorce. Um, and so the tone keeps shifting back and forth between the chorus, which is this like angry thing. And then the verses are trying to figure out like what, what happened? Like, how did we get to this point where you would do something like that? And I think it is interesting that the songwriter didn't live in the area anymore when this event happened and kind of heard about it after the fact. And I, I kind of interpret some like blame for himself in the song of like, if the songwriter was still around to be this kid's friend, would this have happened? Like, did you just need a buddy? And he's just trying to figure out like what happened. And I think this is such a good picture of how we as human beings tend to try to rationalize bad things that have happened. We try to ascribe meaning to what can be sometimes seen as just random violence. And we we want to know, like, what would make a person do this? And oftentimes, specifically with school shootings, we don't get to know what the specific reason was. We may get things like a manifesto from the shooter or, like, weird social media posts. But we don't get the necessary, like, full-on deep dive into, like, what were their thoughts leading up to them planning this this violence and uh, and also very often they die uh as a result of the violence they're inflicting on people whether by taking their own lives or being killed by law enforcement so we never get to know uh what they were thinking i think that makes part of moving on from trauma really hard is to not have an answer to not know why someone did something something so awful whether it's a crime that happened to like just you as an individual or it's a crime that like we're witnessing as a group as a as a culture as a a society that remains that feeling of like I just wish that I knew why and if we could find out why then we could stop it happening again right if if it is that playing doom makes you a school shooter then we get rid of doom right that's an it's an easy fix we just we get rid of it we don't let anyone play it again because it makes you violent but we that's not true we know that's not the answer So we keep racking our brains for like, well, maybe it was because you were a latchkey kid and you were home alone all the time or your parents got divorced or you grew up too poor or you did you had bad nutrition like you only ate Hot Pockets, which is literally a lyric in the song is that they ate Hot Pockets in the microwave. We develop all of these hypotheses for what what could it have been? What could have been the either inciting incident or what could have been the reason for why someone would do this? Often the answer is we don't know. We don't know. It's a lot of stuff, right? It could have been all the things. It could have been the divorce, the like not having a lot of resources, the like being a lonely kid and just staying inside and playing video games all day, not having friends, like not the video games themselves, but being isolated, like all of those things together could have made led this person to the point where they decided to bring a gun to school. Or it could have been none of that, right? Like it's complicated. Each person is different. And even though we can talk about like trends in terms of school shooting, it's individual for for every person. And that's what makes risk assessment so hard. And it's tough. And when you're not a professional, right, and you're not a mental health professional, it makes it even harder to understand kind of the thought processes that people go through. And so I think that this song really kind of captures all of that. Um, And one of the lyrics is, gotta say, I'm pretty glad they caught you, man. And I think that that rings would ring true for a lot of people, finding out that their friend 
or someone that they knew was planning something so awful as this of like, yeah, it sucks that you might be in jail right now or that you, you know, your life blew up in a certain way, but I'm glad that you didn't go through with it, that you couldn't because they got you. And that's how we, I think we want it to work, right? We want there to be identified like red flags. And when you see those red flags, you like go check in on the person. And then if they have a gun at school, you know, something happens, you get them help, you get them away from the school. Obviously, that's step number one. But yeah, anyway, I mean, just I think blanket statement. What I like about this song is it the different tones within the song really cover what it's like to process a a traumatic event or a potential traumatic event and try to understand the motivations behind people's behaviors. And my takeaway or my like recommendation is like we don't always know we we don't always know and it can be a part of your healing to try to make meaning out of something but at the end of the day we may not 100% know and it's better for you better for me better for us as a group to uh, learn when to move on and accept that we may not know what happened it just it causes unnecessary suffering to like ruminate on why someone would do something like this when it's when we're never gonna get the answer right like especially if like this the person is not alive to answer for their actions right like we're just kind of torturing ourselves with why would somebody do this okay so after that uplifting song (laughs) let's move on to the next one it's called melon and the coconut so this is another relationship song, uh, Melly and the Melon and the Coconut, which the coconut is a character that has come up in multiple of uh, Glass Animal songs and albums, and I believe is like kind of one of Dave Bailey's self inserts is when he's talking about a coconut that's like himself. Um, he has talked about using the coconut because of like the, you know, hard shell <laughs> of the coconut with like it similar to the tangerine song, right? Of like there's there's a hard shell, but then what's inside is is kind of worth it and is the sweet part. Um, and then a melon is a little more sensitive, may have it can be similar and that has a, a rind, but it can be more sensitive than a than a coconut. So it's like two two characters that have some sort of barrier between themselves and the world, kind of trying to figure out this relationship. And this is at the end of a relationship. This is essentially like a breaking up song. It's the least produced song on the album. It was written in like an hour written and recorded in an hour. It's probably one of the shortest songs in the album as well which I think adds to a very unique sound. It doesn't necessarily have the same flow of like a chorus and verses. It just kind of kind of runs through and it's an interesting narrative um, of the, the melon and the coconut kind of going through this, this breakup. So in the first verse, then we have songs, lyrics that say, how did things happen when we were so close? When it started, I thought we would grow old. Living in the city with a baby and a dog, doing school runs and a four by four, I make pancakes and waffles, I could be a stay-at-home G.I. Joe. Essentially, the main character is saying, like, I had this vision of our relationship where we would, like, settle down, have a family, and I'm going to be the stay-at-home parent. Um, Stay-at-home G.I. Joe is an interesting lyric, I think kind of speaks to the some of the nostalgia of the record of, like, the late 90s, mid 
late 80s culture that's mentioned throughout like G.I. Joe would have been a big character for the age group um, of the the band when they were kids and there's also something to like the it's a doll that can be posed can be manipulated and moved around and so I think that the narrator is saying like I was ready to be whatever you needed at home I would be stay at home I would be moldable malleable manipulatable (laughs) I would be whatever you needed for us to like play house essentially that that's the image I get from the this first part is like we were gonna play house forever together it's almost like a child's idea of what growing up is right adulthood is more than just taking kids to school and making pancakes and waffles that's like very carb heavy breakfast you know as adults we know we can't be eating all those carbs every day and not fall asleep by 11 a.m so yeah this is this song is just kind of in the beginning showing like how hopeful someone can be about the future. But I also think that it illustrates how we can have very different ideas of what the future would look like. So we have the narrator's version of what they expected, but we don't know the other partner's version. Maybe the other partner didn't want a baby and a dog. Maybe they wanted a plant and a cat, or they wanted two babies, or they wanted no one else in their house, right? Just because one person had a dream for the relationship doesn't mean that that's where the relationship is headed. And this may be a little tough love, but it also means you're not owed that from your partner. If your dream for a relationship includes things that your partner doesn't want, then that is not going to be the partner for you to get that that dream met. And I've, I've mentioned this in the past, this idea of like accommodating in a relationship. Like you can't just say, this is what I want out of the relationship. My partner doesn't want it it should fix itself. It'll work itself out. It won't, particularly if it's something about kids. Like if you want to raise, if you even want to have kids or how to raise kids, just because you're together or married or partners or whatever, doesn't mean that you're going to just naturally start to agree with each other one day. If you have very strong opinions about having kids and your partner has very strong opinions about not having kids, that doesn't just shake itself out. You have to ask yourself, Do I want my partner to do something they don't want to do to make me happy? Something big, right? Yes, we all want our partners to like sometimes go get Thai food (laughs) because it's our favorite food, even if they don't like it, right? Like that's fine. Sometimes you make those little compromises. But do we want our partners to make big life decisions they're not prepared for just because we want them? That sounds like a really bad recipe for resentment, right? And that's what will happen. You'll build resentment for each other. You'll resent your partner for not being excited about having kids and they'll resent you for the fact that you now have kids and they didn't want them. And I I think I keep coming back to this point because it's something that comes up a lot in couples counseling and individual counseling, but and it can feel really harsh. But I think that this is important for people to be aware of to be able to enter into relationships and be good partners to start off with a point of like very healthy relationship and to be able to decide for yourself, is this a partnership that I can enter into and fully participate in without hurting the other person or hurting myself? And if we can think about these things beforehand and be aware of them before we get into long-term commitments, then we can ease ourselves some suffering and ease the other person some suffering as well. So all of that to say, when I listen to Melon and the Coconut, it really makes me think of that, especially this first part of like, you may have a vision for 
your relationship, but the other person doesn't have the same vision. And ultimately, the relationship may not work out if you can't get to a point where you can articulate your visions and articulate how to get them to align up, line up with each other. Now, in the second part of the song, we have Melon and Coconut talking to each other. And that's the bit that I played where they say, you can't do this anymore. My favorite, my favorite lyric is sometimes B-sides are the best songs. I love that. I, <laughs> I don't know why I love it so much. I think it's so interesting. It's such like a, an interesting way to say like, like, you know, B-sides of songs, right? Like, I don't know what I, <laughs> I didn't grow up with B-sides. But I know like the idea of B-sides were like you had to flip over the record. And those were typically the songs that like weren't quote unquote good enough to make it on the main album. And who's going to listen to the songs on the back side of the record that you have to flip? I mean, I know people do, but the this I, this imagery of it is like they're the reject songs, right? Or they're like the songs that just aren't as good. But often what has happened throughout the history of music is that those B-sides or those like songs that were deemed not good enough to fit on the album become the best songs, become people's favorites. They become viral hits, if you will. I, I just like the idea of like that being almost like an affirmation of like, yes, I may be the B-side in life, but sometimes the B-sides are the best songs and I'm the best song. <laughs> and you're going to regret that you didn't flip this record over to get to get to hear all about me. It's just such an evocative line. And so this is like, obviously the end of the relationship of like, we're, we can't do this anymore. But I like the idea of like leaving a relationship on a, on the, the stage of like, I still think that I am the, the best and someone is going to appreciate this B-side. It may not have been you, but it, somebody will. And you may like realize that it was you <laughs> later on. But I think that's like a, I don't know, it's kind of like a self-confident way to like leave a relationship of like, I know where I stand and I know what I'm worth and someone will appreciate me. You know, God bless the melon and the coconut. I hope they're doing, I hope they're doing well out there. <laughs> Okay, let's go into the last song, which is called Domestic Bliss. Why'd you put up with that shit? Why'd you go back for that kiss? Maybe it tastes like him when you got tears on your lips. Why'd you put up with that shit? Why don't we pack and leave this? Why do you smile when he cries? Why do you cry when he wins? Okay, so this is the song that is about domestic violence. And you may have noticed from... The lyrics in the section that I just played that it talks about why do you put up with this? Why do you go back and go back for like romantic intimacy? Why don't you just leave and and fight for me? That's the chorus is this like plea to fight for me. And the song is clearly told from the perspective of a child watching a person, their parents go through a domestic violence situation. The songwriter has said that it's actually about his childhood friend's mother who was in an abusive relationship and he would see her with like a bloody nose or see her after a fight with her husband and that she was being like victimized and abused by by the father and so it's not about Dave Bailey's parents but it is about a childhood friend and him who went through this and him kind of growing up with this person and experiencing it from the outside so it's very much a child's view of the situation you see that from the like a lot of questions why 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 do you do this it would be so easy to just go and a plea for like help help me fight for me do this for me i know it'll be hard but as a a child i i need your help i need you to do this for me it's quite it's quite sad it's it's also quite visceral there are quite a few mentions of like 
the aftermath of domestic violence. And I also think that it highlights the cycle of abuse, which if you're not familiar with the cycle of abuse, it includes something that we call the honeymoon period where people are in a good spot with their abuser or they think they are. The relationship is going really well. Maybe you're getting doted on. You're getting gifts. You're getting a lot of attention. Very lovey-dovey. And then it shifts. It's no longer about taking care of you, but it is about hurting you. The abuser starts to lash out verbally, physically, emotionally, and starts to hurt you. Maybe it's a big fight that ends with you getting hit. Maybe it's the, a big fight where you don't get hit, but you, get, you are getting screamed at and treated very poorly. And then after that is the like remorse. And it is where the person comes and says, I'm sorry. I never meant to do that. I'll never do it again. And you shift back into the honeymoon phase and then it ramps up again until the next abuse. And typically we start to see that as people go through the cycle more and more, it, sh- it shortens. Your time in the honeymoon period or the remorse period gets shorter and shorter and we're getting into the violent or the abusive part of the cycle more and more often. Now, research has suggested that it takes about seven attempts for someone to leave an abusive partner. So it's not as easy as why don't we just leave? Why don't we pack up and go? It can take multiple attempts. And it's not just about getting out a suitcase and putting in clothes, but about making sure that when you leave that you're financially stable. Often abusers control your finances and won't let you have access to your own money or won't let you have a job so that you can't be supportive. You can't support yourself on your own. Making sure that you can get to a place where you're safe, where your abuser won't follow you. On a side note, I actually just saw a presentation at a conference about like cyber abuse, which is the use of technology to like perpetuate this abusive behavior. And one of the behaviors that they mentioned in the presentation was using like a partner's location, like find my location on your phone to track them down to like a shelter if they flee. So like if if a person has fled to a domestic violence shelter, the abuser can figure out where that shelter is, even though it's supposed to be safe and not able to be found because they are using technology like the phone to track you. And I don't bring this up to be scary, to be like, you know, the shock and awe of how horrible abuse can be. But I do bring it up in like an educational way to just know that one, if you're not in this situation, but you find yourself wondering why do people stay with abusive partners, part of it is because it's so hard to leave. It's almost impossible to leave. And with technology, it's harder to get away from the person to to have a clean break where they can't keep getting after you and trying to win you back in that honeymoon cycle and then hurt you again in the abusive cycle. And that if you are in this situation and you're looking for help to be aware of these other avenues in which people can, your abuser can still track you down and to be aware and to be safe because it's hard to get up and get yourself ready to leave. And it makes it even harder when the person knows where you're going and is following you and won't let you have like a moment's peace. I know that's not as fun, but it is just a little bit of like educational information as this is an educational podcast just to to be aware of. And so I think that it is helpful that this song is in the eyes of a child because it is like a pretty simplistic way of looking at it. And my hope is that the adults who made this song don't think that it's that easy and don't just think that, well, why don't we just pack up and leave? I'm sure they do. I'm sure they're aware, but I, I just wanted to point that out. The verse, there's a lyric in the song that actually like 
highlights this this cycle the honeymoon phase so in one of the verses the line says he got balloons new flowers too last one's dying in your bedroom he's squeezing you blame blaming you that's part of the honeymoon phase and the remorse phase is like bringing gifts so bringing flowers jewelry um even like maybe taking you out to eat all of those like gifts are a way to kind of like soothe the abuse that they they did which in my opinion highlights that the abuser often knows that what they've done is wrong because they're trying to make it up to you i think often an excuse is that well i didn't know that's how i was raised or or you know i lost control it won't happen again but if you're bringing a gift to say i'm sorry then you know what you did was wrong i don't say that to like shame anyone who needs help for domestic violence but i do you just want to like point out that that the cycle inherent to the cycle is the understanding that what the person has done is wrong and is not an, an appropriate way to act in a relationship. If you find yourself on either end, either side of that issue, this is another reminder to pl- please try to get help. Please, please try to get help where, how you can. And as always, there are resources on the website that some of them are specific to people stuck in, in a cycle of, of abuse. Um, so I, I encourage you to check those out if, if that's what you're needing right now or if you know someone who needs those right now. And those are uh, on the website where the sources are as well. So this song, obviously not as fun, not as uplifting, uh, but I think is such a clear picture of how this album is a little more autobiographical for Dave Bailey. And you'll notice that out of most of the songs I picked, especially this one and Space Ghost, a lot of it is about like a a childhood, kind of working through some stuff that the songwriter went through in his childhood. Pulls up a lot of like nostalgic imagery, symbolism, like cultural references. So it's very much like, I think, for people who grew up in that time, there's a lot of references that will make sense to you. Um, But I also think the the processing of the world through a child's eye is a little more universal, right? It's the wondering, the trying to make sense of why did this happen? That That is a universal experience, whether you grew up in the 90s, the 60s, or now. Um, that That is, I think, still very relatable. Overall, I think the album is fantastic. I love a lot of the music videos. I didn't do all the songs because not all of them were as, I think, psychologically rich. Um, but there, I, I recommend them all for like listening. It's been what I've been listening to at work to just kind of like have a good like beat to keep myself uh, focused. So it's great like background listening. If, if you listen to the songs now and are like, I don't know if I'll get into that. I think it's good in the background as well. But yeah, so that was a f- couple of songs from the album Dreamland by Glass Animals. I appreciate y'all as always listening through to the entire episode and I'll see you in the next one. Bye-bye. To see the sources and resources mentioned in the episode, visit psychologicallymindedpod.com or click the link in the show notes. To contact me with any questions or comments about this topic or upcoming episodes, email me at psychmindedpod at gmail.com. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you, and see you in the next episode.